John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And joining us is Sean Salisbury. So, Sean, news out of New York, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised by this because, you know, we're pretty tied in with some of the people running the Jets right now, particularly Adam Gaze and his father-in-law, Joe Vitt. But now the story comes out after a couple, uh, two days after uh, Le'Veon Bell complained on Twitter uh, on social media that he didn't get enough playing time in his game back off of injured reserve. Now they're actively shopping him in a trade, and Adam has this history. If he you, if he gets mad at you or you get mad at him, he tries to trade you away and make the ta- team less talented. Are we surprised that Adam still has his job? Uh, yeah, but it's not going to last long, John. You and I both know yeah. this. It's probably... Uh, he's, it's probably happening a little longer than we would have expected, but it's it's only a matter. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. Um, and I know Bell, can, maybe on Bell, can be a bit of a headache at times, but you know he wants the ball, wants to play more. And for a team that's so uh, lacking in in uh, talent and gifts as far as playmakers on their football team, and have not given Sam Darnold any opportunity, and obviously Flacco last week to be successful. It's a poorly coached football team, a poorly coached offense, and then, quite frankly, changes are going to need to be made. And I don't like to say that very often, but Adam Gates seems to be disgruntled by anybody that says something that he may not agree with, and most people agree that he's not coaching that football team very well. It's, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, and I won't be surprised, John, if he's the third coach that it happens to during the season. Oh yeah, and I think that uh, <clears throat> you still look at Matt Patricia. He's he's on the docket, and I'll, I'll, I'll even ask you this before we get into the four downs. What's your thoughts on Anthony Lynn? Because I think we all like Anthony Lynn. The players like him a lot. He really became engaging when you were able to see him on uh, your know, hard knocks. But I mean, two years in a row, they can't win close games, and you no, know, they've got talent. Yeah. I know they have injuries. You think he's on the hot seat? I do, John. And remember at the beginning of the season. It was either on my show or your show we discussed coaches. It might have been on my show. We brought up hot seat coaches, and we had mentioned some names, and one that we both agreed to, that uh, not a long shot, but it wasn't being talked about enough, and we both like him and both think he's a good coach, but sometimes circumstances was Anthony Lynn in, in L.A., you know, from San Diego to Los Angeles, and, in, and, it, and it's happened. And here you don't want to get to be the Atlanta Falcons. Where you don't have to, you don't know how to close. Where you, you don't want to get to that point. And I know they haven't been to a Super Bowl, but where you're losing games late because people put that as a reflection on, well, what's wrong with the quarterback or what's wrong with the head coach or what's wrong with both. People think that. So I and I'm a fan. I am. But John, if it continues, you know what they're going to do. You start to think about the enemies, young quarterback who's playing well and who has a chance to be really, really good and is quite frankly ahead of the curve that you than most of us expected in in Herbert is you start to think about, okay, the enemy or Greg Roman or Joe Brady, who's doing one heck of a job as he did with, with Burrow and now in Carolina getting Teddy to even elevate his game. You start to think, well, I want that young offensive mind with that, that quarterback. If this continues or if they're less than 500 when the season ends or before, they'll go out and try to get a head start on a young mind offensive guy to go after uh, to coach the quarterback, it won't surprise me if this happens if they don't keep if they don't start to win some close games in the uh, fourth quarter. Yeah, and let's get some uh, victories right now with four downs. 
First down, which open head coaching job would be more appealing, Houston or Atlanta? Oh, I think that it's Houston because of quarterback. Um, as much respect as I have for Matt Ryan, you can start to see his legs are starting to diminish a little bit, meaning, you know, he'll put up numbers, he does, but we're starting to see it in places with some of the guys, aging veterans that, that are that, – Father, Father Time's undefeated. Matt Ryan's a good player. He's got a couple good years left, but you start to look at his contract. You start to look at they've got to draft the guy soon. Now, that's a good gig, but right now, Watson, you've already got him sewn up. you got the left tackle. Um, it's Houston. The, the owner, whether you like him or not, has been loyal to coaches for a long time. So between those two, I would say are the ones you know that will come available. Detroit, if you throw that one in, or the Jets. It's Houston because the quarterback. Atlanta's got some good talent, but they may be under a gut their football team type thing. I like Matt Ryan, Hall of Fame, borderline guy, but MVP. But it's time. Watson would be the first place. Now, if the Chargers comes open with Herbert and it's L.A. and a new stadium and that talent they got on that team, that would be the one that would be compete with Houston not the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I agree. Cause, and, you know, what's going to be the, – the thing that the, all the owners in Atlanta, maybe the Chargers, and definitely in Houston have to accept is that it's going to take some time because – you can see that the uh, you know the Houston is going to be in a real cap mess because of the deals that Bill O'Brien did, <clears throat> and so they're going to have to take a major step back for a year or two and have to think, okay, try to build around uh, Watson, which you know they really didn't do successfully with Bill O'Brien. But no, I agree. I think that you know Watson would be number one, the Chargers would be number two, and Atlanta. I mean, yeah, you do get Matt Ryan, but they're expecting to win, but they're going to have to break up some of that team, so that may not be a great job. Second down, if you're the Cowboys, do you extend or franchise tag Dak Prescott even after his fractured ankle? Yeah, see, I, you know, I've had a compound fracture not of the ankle. He's going to recover. Now, while it was gruesome and nobody likes to see it, and I love Dak Prescott, have since he came out. And I think he's, uh, I still think he's better than some of the pundits or hot take artists will give him credit for. They're selective. When a guy puts up numbers with Dak Prescott, it's like, well, why aren't they winning? If it happens in Houston with Watson or otherwhere else, they give the quarterback credit for carrying a team with numbers when they don't have a defense. So for some reason, people don't like to jump on his train. He's going to get paid, whether it's Jerry Jones paying in between 38 and $41 million or somebody else, because jobs are going to come open. You start to think about quarterback situations. I'm, I'm convinced that in New Orleans and in Indianapolis, one of them's going to be a broadcaster. The other one's going to be a high school football coach when this season ends. So those two jobs for a Prescott, if they were crazy enough to put him on the open market, then you got to ask yourself, well, who's out there for the Cowboys to get? So to me, Jerry would be smart to pay him. He's still going to get paid because his ankle's going to heal. His foot's going to be fine. He's going to rehab it. It's not like it's four Achilles tendons. While it, you know, four Achilles tendons. And while it's a, it was gruesome to look at, that Prescott's going to be fine. Somebody's going to pay him. And it's going to be around that $40 million mark. But if you want to save it, you got to see him again for next year. You franchise them. I think, John, it's almost $41 million, between 40 and $41 million, somewhere in there. 
Dak Prescott's getting paid whether it's Jerry or somewhere else. Yeah, year. and I, I think it's going to be the franchise tag because you know, you've had that injury. Uh, I don't know if Jerry would want to fully commit to the long-term deal because it's going to cost him pretty close to the Watson number of $39 million to be able to do a long-term deal. I think they franchise him at 37-7, and if that's going to be the case, they're going to have some problems because they have $108 million tied up in eight players. They're going to have to redo a lot of contracts, but I don't think they let him go. That would be a mistake. But uh, long-term deal, I don't think he's going to get it, but I do think he stays a Cowboy. Third down, last week we asked which team was the most disappointing through the season's first quarter. So which team has been the most pleasant surprise? This year in the first quarter, I would probably say the Bears with that offense, with the lack thereof, defense hanging around at 4-1, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how real they are offensively, but they're tough. Um, I'd say the Rams are at the top of the list. Their record does not match what I expected them. I actually thought they were going to be battling for last place as a 4-1 and team. Sean McVay's done an unbelievable job to maximize the potential and what's going on there. And, and uh, while I knew Buffalo was going to be better, I, I, we, we, I did, I, I can promise you this, I didn't think that they were going to have that much improvement all over the map and they'd be that upgraded. Sean McDermott's an underrated coach, but I think the Rams, considering the roster, other than a couple, three or four big names, I think what Sean McVay's doing is nothing short of phenomenal in L.A., John. Yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the, I think the big surprise, and that's Carolina because they're three and two, uh, and they've had to really gut that Agreed. defense. But I think Matt Rule has done such a great job with the offense. They've got speed, you know, they and they're doing it, you know, on a three game winning streak without uh, Christian McCaffrey, the face of the franchise. So I'm gonna put Carolina up there with I think Cleveland being second at four and one. Fourth down, few undefeated teams in the NFC. So which one is the NFC's best? Oh, man. I, I Well, for, for me, it comes down to the, the team with the two best quarterbacks, obviously Seattle or Green Bay. And if you ask me now, if I had to pick one, let's even say a neutral site. Uh, or in, I'm going to take Russ in Seattle over Green Bay right now. Um, now, whoever has the ball last may win that football game, whatever, either one of those quarterbacks, because they're playing at a level that's absolutely phenomenal. Um, but I picked Russ Wilson to be the MVP. I think his ability to move, and if my life was on the line and I needed one player in the current NFL, and I'm including Mahomes, and it came down to it, and they're down five points, and there's a bucket, a minute to go, and we've seen him prove it. Did everything on the line, and I got to have it. Russell, I'm taking number three in Seattle, and I usually take the quarterback when it comes down to it. I think Seattle's better in Green Bay when it gets to it, but it's those two teams. But I'm taking Russ Wilson right now. Yeah, I'd say Seattle. And it's interesting, because I know I had to do this for the Washington Post, is go through the Super Bowl contenders. And what you're looking at is that, you know, you thought that New Orleans was going to be one, and they're technically in there at 3-2, and Tampa Bay at 3-2. and But now what it looks like to me, it's Seattle over Green Bay slightly, but uh, there's a gap. 
and uh, you know filling that gap because you know you've seen Minnesota they're out of it Philadelphia they're pretty well out of it San Francisco they're all but out of it and so it's now pretty much down to those two teams and now I guess best quarterback win and say what you want I know Rogers is going to be a Hall of Famer and I think Russell is going to be one too Russell is playing better than Rodgers, even though Rodgers doesn't have the receivers that they have there. But I'd say right now it's Seattle and Green Bay with a slight edge going to Seattle. But the edge, of course, is always being able to go four downs with you. And, of course, as fun as always. And, uh, Sean, looking forward to talking to you on Friday. I look forward to it, John. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you guys. All right, sounds good. And of course, uh, you know you can check out the. Uh, you know, of course, uh, you know you're going to check out the. Uh, oh, let's see what I've got here. It's like, uh, you know, of course you want to catch everything on the show and listen to it on the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to go and get the report card, get some grades going. John Clayton, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for. The Report Card with the Professor. The Report Card we bring out each day. We look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories. We take the anecdotes. We take social media comments. We take the voices. And we attach a grade to it. And Curtis Rogers here every day with the Report Card. So, Curtis, what do we have? Well, John, let's get started in baseball with a story that could have a huge ripple effect, not just with a team here in the American League West, but also with the Mariners, with... A few organizations, and you know, one of the mainstays of, I guess, front offices in baseball over the last twenty years—that'd be Oakland A's team vice president Billy Bean, who was their general manager for a long time, then was promoted to vice president. Well, he, according to the Wall Street Journal, is expected to leave the organization soon to join Red Sox owner John Henry's sports empire, which includes Liverpool FC in the UK in the Premier League. Uh, Bean's role with John Henry's organization uh, would not be limited to the Red Sox. Uh, In fact, it would focus mostly on the soccer team over in the U.K., which is kind of an interesting move for him. But, John, just looking at this from an AL West viewpoint, how would you grade Billy Bean departing the A's, a team that has long been one of the best-run organizations in the division? Uh, How would you grade that move? Oh, it's an F for uh, Oakland. I mean, because what you're looking at, because they don't have any money. And, you know, Billy Bean has been able to, you know, do money ball and all those different things. Uh, and look at the fact that, you know, he I know he hasn't won a play. I mean, he hasn't only won one playoff series uh, since, what, 2006. But, I mean, they're in the playoffs and they've been able to rebuild several times. And to lose him, there's no there is nobody that can replace him that's going to be as good as Billy Bean. And I all it's going to be, you know, an A grade for all the other teams in this division. It's an F grade for them. It's great for the Reds. Sox, even though, again, uh, he may not be doing much baseball stuff, but I think this is devastating, and I think this changes the balance right now, because uh, you know, here's the A's, they come in, and they make the playoffs in the last, what, three years, and again, you don't know, and it's all the success that Billy Bean has with his ability to scout and his ability to get guys, and being able to keep teams on a low budget. I think this is devastating for Oakland. I agree. I absolutely agree with you, John. I think for every other team in the division, this is an A plus move. You cannot ask for anything better uh, for this offseason if Billy Bean were to leave the Oakland A's front office because he is what makes everything go in that organization. He's what makes it so difficult to compete in the AL West because you know you always got to keep in mind that the A's can win it just at the drop of a hat. 
What's weird, though, John, is that about a year ago, so many people were kind of like, oh, the Mariners, their plan you know, is, is so far-fetched. How are they going to be able to compete by 2021? You look at the trajectory of all the teams in the American League West, the Angels, they're bad. They're, they have nowhere to go. they they got to spend their way out of the hole they've dug themselves into. The Rangers, they don't have many top prospects along the way, and they look terrible this last season. The A's potentially losing Billy Bean here, and the Astros, they're going to have too many guys to pay here. Uh, there's no way they're going to be able to keep that core group intact. The Mariners all of a sudden could have the most upward trajectory of any team in the AL West, which kind of fits into Jerry DePoto's plan of, of retooling the organization over the last couple of years. I don't know if he anticipated Billy Bean's departure in all this, but it certainly uh, raises some eyebrows for baseball fans here out west. Oh, uh, no doubt, and I think that's just. Uh, I mean, it, and it comes as such a big surprise. But you know, if you're uh, if you're Jerry Depoto, you know, you, you might want to have you want may have too many people come to the party. But I think you almost have a party once that does happen because you know now you've eliminated one of the toughest guys that you compete against. Exactly. We'll do it on Zoom. How about that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, also on the report card today. Uh, In the NFL, it looks as though they may be considering or strongly considering a playoff bubble, just as Major League Baseball has done uh, with uh, teams in Southern California and also in the Dallas area in the American League and National League. Well, the NFL, considering those two spots as well, they'd be doing the playoffs solely in the L.A. and Dallas areas, so at SoFi Stadium where the Chargers and Rams call home, and then Jerry World in Arlington, Texas. So, John, how are we grading the likelihood of a playoff bubble for the NFL? I mean, I think it... uh... I'm going to give it a C. I think it's an option that might be necessary, but it might not be necessary, too. And what you don't like is that uh, I know that it would take away from the home crowds because, let's put it this way, if they put it in Dallas, uh, you know it's not going to be uh, you know any, any playoffs there right now with as bad as their defense is and no Dak Prescott. So I, I still think the ideal thing is if you can keep them at home, you know, put a quarter of your fans in there, that's the best way to do it. And I think you can control things by having the bubble with the team host tell as opposed to going down there but again i guess you have to consider all options and uh, that could be one yeah i i think the thing i would miss most uh in the playoffs is those terrible weather games you yeah. don't get the snow you don't get the rain you don't get the cold which makes the nfl playoffs so memorable at times last year the seahawks going into green bay playing in the snow uh that was a memorable game you, you don't get that in those controlled environments like dallas and la where they have the roofs and, and they ha- they're in a dome basically it's it, it's going to be a very I guess vanilla brand in terms of of weather and in terms of the the conditions that they're played in, which would probably make for a more high-scoring game and it would benefit teams that have a a good aerial assault like the Seahawks have. Maybe maybe it works out in their favor. But to me, as somebody that really likes to watch those games where the weather plays a big impact into how the the final score is – it's going to be tough. It'll be missed if that does happen, but hopefully things are a little bit better by the time you know late December, early January, February rolls around and the NFL can have the playoffs in the home markets of these teams. You would hope so. Yeah, that would be, that would be ideal. It would be. And then finally, John, on the report card, uh, well, last night during the Dodgers and Braves game, Dodgers ace Walker Bueller, uh, Dodgers co-ace, I guess, Clayton Kershaw also, an ace as well. 
He was trending on Twitter because his baseball pants were very tight on him. I, I don't know what was going on with Walker Bueller and his tight pants. Uh, maybe it's superstition. Who knows? But following the Dodgers' late inning collapse again, as they tend to do this time of year, uh, Walker Bueller in his postgame press conference not having it from a media member who decided to ask about why his pants were so tight. Hey, Walker. Uh, Walker Bueller's pants were trending on Twitter tonight. Um, Probably not the time or place, Michael. Thank you, Walker. Yeah, not the time or place after a uh, collapse of a defeat there. Uh, Dodgers lose 5-1 in Game 1. They're now down one to nothing in that series to the Braves. John, how are we grading that reporter's question to Walker Bueller despite uh, Walker yeah. clearly not in the mood to be having yeah, fun? Yeah, I give him an F because, again, it's like you've know, you got to be sensitive, too, because, I mean, you know, he is coming out and he's doing the interview. I think that the, the brief response that he had was pretty, pretty right on because, because, you know, he wasn't demeaning. It's like, okay, let's not go there type of thing. So I like it. I think that, uh, you know, the player gets a B plus, but the reporter gets an F. I mean, think about the emotion of losing a game like that and the emotion that the Dodger team has as far as how some of have had some of these tough losses. Bad job by the reporter. Yeah, I'm going to give that reporter an F. Read the room, man. Read the room. There's no way Walker Buehler is going to want to answer a question like that coming off a very tough loss like, like what they had in game won. Uh, maybe if they had won, that's a question yeah. for him if, if they had pulled off the victory. But yeah, not not a good look. That not is good. it for today's report. Kurt okay, John. be sure to check out the Professor's Notes on 710sports.com. Professor's Notes brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we are going to go ahead and uh, try to get your text questions. So you can text us on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line at 710-710. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. It is time to go on a busy hard seltzer text line. You can text us at 710-710. And so, Curtis, what do we have? John, this one comes to us from the 206. They want to know, if Atlanta decides to move on from Matt Ryan, how in demand would he be? I think in demand because uh, what you're looking at is that now you've got uh, some teams. Well, you know, because there's going to be, I think, we had a big shakeup this year, and there could be a big shakeup coming up because, again, the cap is going to really make it tough to keep these big high-paid quarterbacks, particularly if they're a little bit older. That's why the way Phillip Rivers is playing and not making plays in the fourth quarter, you know, he could end up not coming back and going into the coaching job that he already has. I think Drew Brees is going to be gone in New Orleans. And so now if you're going to be you know, a, a team like a Chicago, I mean, you might consider Matt Ryan in a trade. Maybe, you know, uh, I don't know about the Jets if they don't get the first pick in the draft. But, I mean, he'll go someplace. Uh, but I think, you know, I get, you know, sometimes – Particularly, you know, like an Arthur Blank who cares about his players has always been upfront with Matt Ryan to say what he said <clears throat> wasn't mean, but it was accurate in the sense that, uh, well, we we don't know because you know their cap situation is so tough if they're going to be at 175 million. So I give him credit for being honest, but uh, you know he'll find a job someplace, no problem. Four two five wants to know, John, will Le'Veon Bell get traded, and if so, who would have the most interest? Mm. Let's see. I think I, I think it's still going to be tough. Now you have till election day, November third, to get something done, and they want to get something done now, which of course is you know typical Adam Gaze and all that stuff. But uh, you know, 
uh, you know, the team that I think should really consider would be the Chicago Bears because that's one of the missing pieces that they have. They have left themselves short <clears throat> on uh, running. They're four and one. You know, that to me would be the one team that could step up. I would have said Tampa Bay, but they've already made their moves. You know, they were able to get LaShawn McCoy. They were able to get Leonard Fournette, and they have Ronald Jones. But I think the team right now uh, would be Chicago. They're four and one, and I think he could really help them out. 206 wants to know, are the Bills a legit AFC contender? Yes, they are. Yeah, no doubt. Because you know they have the good defense. Uh, it didn't show maybe in the last game or so, but they do have a good defense. And you can see that Josh Allen's playing at the top of his game. Certainly it's helped with Stephon Diggs having all the success that he's had. But, no, I think right now they're they're totally legit. I mean, again, we'll see uh, in this game, you know, with uh, Buffalo coming up this weekend against Kansas City, how legit they are. You know, I would still think that Kansas City is going to win. But, uh, you know, they, if they beat the, ti- the Tennessee Titans and come out 1-1 one and one this week, they're in good shape. 509 wants to know, John, do you expect Philip Dorsett to be ready to go after the bye week? Uh, I would think so, yeah, because that gives him, what, five weeks now uh, into six weeks to be able to heal up. And so it's a foot injury. It's kind of one that he's had the last couple of years, but I would think so. This one from the 206. They want to know who's your rookie of the year favorite right now. Uh, you know, even though he's one in three, one in four, I'd say still Joe Burrow. Uh, he has done so well. Then you look at Justin Jefferson. He looks good. You know, Clyde Hilaire uh, Edwards over in. Uh, you know, uh, Ed, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I always get that name messed up with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's right up there. Uh, but, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot of good wide receivers right now uh, in this draft that came through and are doing really well. This one comes to us from the 509. We get this question about a couple times a week. What's going on with Josh Gordon? Nothing. Don't have any idea. I mean, you know, today would be a day that you know the league would be you know, probably saying something, but they're not saying anything. And so in the end, it's just, uh, you know, uh, wait and see. But it doesn't sound good, the fact that they haven't come up with any kind of a ruling yet. 253 wants to know, John, how do you expect the Seahawks to work Rashad Penny back into the running back rotation? Uh, I'd say kind of using him the way that they do with, uh, you know, Travis Homer. You know, just kind of you know getting him in there slowly but surely. Certainly, if there's going to be any in- injury issue right now with uh, you know Carlos Hyde, who has the shoulder problem, uh, but I think he's he's going to be back and he should be in good shape. But overall, I'd say at this moment, uh, it's kind of working him back, taking it week by week, and just maybe adding carries as the weeks go on. From the four one seven, they want to know, John, do you think Seattle makes a trade by the deadline, and if so, which position do they target? Uh, they may or may not. I mean, I think they're always going to be looking because if there's something available. Again, I mean, nobody thought that they were going to do anything, and they pick up uh, Quandre Diggs, who turns out to be a great acquisition. And you know, they're not going. It's not going to be a presumably a big deal. It's just going to be a smart deal. That's the way that uh, John Snyder rolls. From the 425, John, they want to know if you're giving these two options at breakfast, which one are you taking? Chicken fried steak or biscuits and gravy? Mm, I'd go with the chicken fried steak if, if that, those are the two options. I mean, I'd probably still lean toward French toast and some of the others, but I'd go with the chicken fried steak in that, in that selection. I'm with you there. Can't pan down biscuits and gravy like no. you used to back in the day. It's a little too filling. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, and again, I'm a Pittsburgh guy, and so that's the, the, the biscuits and gravy, that's that's more of a southern thing, isn't it? It is, definitely. Yeah. Definitely from the south. Uh, from This one comes to us from the 253. They want to know, John, do you think once his deal is up with the Seahawks, will Quandre Diggs get an extension? Uh, it may be tough. 
And the reason I say it may be tough, I mean, I think they would want to do it, but I, I think they're going to pour all their money into Jamal Adams. And so now the question is going to be if you have to pay you know, Adams uh, you know, $15 million a year, which I think would be the number, then can you go to $10 million on Diggs? And I'd say no. This one from the 509. They want to know, John, could Logan Ryan, uh, the Giants cornerback, get dealt, and could Seattle be a possibility? Uh, why? I, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't know. It's like uh, you know, he was available, and if they wanted to sign him, they could assign him. And why would you give up a trade value for somebody that you could have signed? I mean, you know, he's 31 years old, and you know, <clears throat> I know that the corners have not had good seasons so far, but I, I just don't see that. This one from the 503. They want to know, John, do you think Dallas will trade for a backup quarterback to go with Andy Dalton? Uh, no, they signed uh, Garrett Gilbert today, and so I can't imagine them doing something like that because, uh, again, it's like that would be a little bit too pricey. But I think that, you know, they're content. What, what is it? They can win the division maybe with six wins. I mean, all they have to do with Andy Dalton is just win the games in the division and go 5-1 and one in the division. They're 1-0 and oh right now. And, you know, if you beat the teams in your division, you know, that pounds them down. And those teams will be like four or five win teams. And so I think they can win the division with, uh, you know, with Andy Dalton. 425 wants to know what is going on with Richard Sherman's leg injury. Mm, he had a setback. I mean, that's a little bit of a surprise, but his calf injury, and I don't know what happened. I don't know if he misstepped or whatever, but uh, you know, he's not going to be able to play this week, and that's another setback for this uh, 49er team that right now is in deep trouble, and they go into their toughest stretch with seven games against good teams. This one from the 509, John. They want to know if the Seahawks do lose this season, which team do you think has the best shot at knocking them off? Well, I think Buffalo because it's a home game and they're a good team and you'll be able to see them. Uh, we'll watch how that goes on the weekend. Uh, but I think Buffalo, I mean, and we talked about this and I think that I agree with Brock Hewitt. I mean, the two teams that are going to be the toughest right now are down the stretch. And again, it's an easy stretch. I mean, they have the easiest closing schedule in football right now based on this year's records. But I'd say at the moment, what you're looking at is that it's Buffalo and the Los Angeles Rams. 425 wants to know, John, he's been in and out of the lineup this season. So will Seattle re-sign Quentin Dunbar? Uh, debatable. I think right now they put their money into Shaquille Griffin. I know Shaquille had that tough start, but he's come on of late the last two weeks. So I think the money would go into Shaquille Griffin as long as he doesn't get to be asking for too much. Uh, this one comes to us from the 425 also. They want to know, John, who do you got tonight, Tennessee or Buffalo? I got Buffalo because I think the fact that uh, the Titans haven't had hardly any practice in over two and a half weeks, uh, the fact that they're going to be shorthanded because of the COVIDs. I don't know how many of the guys are going to be able to get off the COVIDs list. I go right now with uh, you know the, with New England. Yeah, well, I think... I mean, I, with, with, yeah, I, I, go, I, don't, I don't go with Tennessee right now. I go with Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo, they haven't had any sort of issues no. with, with COVID, and so they're ready to go. They've been chomping at the bit here for over a week now. I think, yeah, I think Buffalo's got this one tonight. And then, John, they want to know from the 602, what is Daryl Taylor's status to return? Uh, it still looks like it's going to take a little bit of time. doesn't look like he's ready yet. Uh, you know, And, again, he's not going to be available until week seven because, again, he has to send six games on there. But it looks like he still needs more than six to be able to come back. So at the moment, uh, no timetable. I think he's making a little bit of progress. So maybe a couple weeks he can come back. But right now it's not there. And then this one, we'll wrap it up with this one from the 509. They want to know, John, who will have the most interest in Atlanta's GM vacancy? Hmm. 
you know, I think that uh, you know you're getting in with a good owner, and so I think there'll be a lot of interest without any question. Now the qu- uh, question is, what's how they're going to handle things? I know this time it doesn't look as though they're going to go with a. Uh, I think because again, Rich McKay will try to reach out and get something done there and go that direction. But uh, in the end, it's like I think there's going to be good interest because again, it's a good job. That is it for text questions. And, of course, that was on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line. Coming up, our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. And time for our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. And so, uh, great game last night. <clears throat> Although, what you have to kind of wonder is two things. I guess we can't put the fork in Drew Brees yet. Even though he didn't have his best receiver, Michael Thomas, he was able to overcome a 17-point deficit and win against the Chargers in overtime, 30-27. And on the flip side, uh, you know, we wonder about Anthony Lynn, you know, a nice guy. Does, does Players love him, but uh, he can't win. The, he, he can't finish games. Well, he's got a young quarterback. That's that's a factor for sure. But um, you know, the thing with Drew Brees and Michael Thomas is he's just not his number one wide receiver. I mean, what did he catch? 149 passes last year. 150. I mean, we're, we're talking yeah. 150. I mean, we're talking about a a wildly productive player, and Brees managed to, as you pointed out, to erase the race deficit and come back. So uh, New Orleans goes to the bye three and two. They could they could be worse. They could be better. Uh, I imagine they're waiting on getting Thomas back, and and uh, growing pains with the young quarterback is what Anthony Lynn's going through, I think, in San Diego. I yeah, but I think Los that's Angeles. yeah, but that's that's the that's the issue is that uh, Herbert wasn't even expected to be playing, and I think he's he's reached the level that he was supposed to be, and you know to go and put 27 points on the uh, New Orleans Saints. I mean, he, think about this: he's taken New Orleans, Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes, and taken both to overtime. Yet they can't win. Yeah, I mean, uh, cut him a break, John. He's a rookie. No, I'm, I'm, I, no, I'm, I'm putting the pressure on the, the head coach. I, Why? I'm told, I think right now, I mean, considering it's, the off season, considering the off season they had, and, and they were a team that you watched during uh, yeah. hard knocks. I mean, you got to give them a little bit of, got to give them a little bit of slack. I'm not blaming the head coach for a rookie quarterback not being able to completely deliver in the clutch yet. Yeah, but I, especially I, I, a guy I, you weren't counting on. You were planning on playing Tyler for a year, and or Taylor Tyrod Taylor for a year, and. And kind of breaking him in, and and uh, all of a sudden he had that that crazy injury uh, mm-hmm. where the doctor uh, hurt him. So, you know, it's uh, come on, give him a break, John. Yeah, I mean, I He's like terrible. Anthony, but uh, I mean, it, let's put it this way: he had an experienced quarterback last year in Philip Rivers, and it was the same thing. They just lost close games. I mean, what they're they're one and four, and they're one and four right now in one possession games. I mean, last year, I think what were they like two and eight? Well, but I mean, lots of teams. I mean, it, it's it's a matter of inches in the NFL, as we know. And and look, uh, the the Saints could very easily be two and three. The Seahawks could very easily be two and three. You know, considering the number of one possession games they've won, they're not. And they got the difference maker there, quarterback. And and that that is that is the difference. I mean, it, it'll, we'll, we'll see it tonight. Uh, you know, it's an interesting one tonight with Buffalo and Tennessee because I don't know how many people have realized it out here. But uh, Josh Allen is playing really, really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, really well. Uh, so he, he, he has got the advantage over Tannehill, and he's, he's making Buffalo uh, look like one of the beasts of, of the AFC and, and a team that's not on the radar that much because of you know Kansas City and whatnot, but a team that's awfully, awfully good.
Oh, yeah, no doubt. I like that team a lot. I think that uh, you like their defense. They've been to the playoffs, what, two out of the last three years. And Josh Allen, thanks in part to the acquisition of Stephon Diggs, has really emerged. And, you know, now you start to put him in the mix right now for, uh, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the AFC. You have to. I mean, 12 touchdowns, one pick, 331 yards per game. Uh, you're right, Stephon Diggs is a, is a huge pickup for them, and and uh, they continue to play very well at 4-0. and That's going to be a very interesting game. Glad, glad it got straightened out and they're able to play it tonight. Yeah, no doubt. So that's going to be kind of fun to, to be able to watch and be able to see and all that. What were your thoughts on baseball with the Dodgers losing and now Clayton Kershaw looking like he's going to miss game two because of the uh, back injury he has? Yeah, two two very interesting games yesterday. Uh, you know, uh, Atlanta, um, an underdog against the Dodgers. The Dodgers were, I think, forty three and seventeen, and and uh, had Walker Bueller out there, and were feeling very confident, and just kind of felt flat. They didn't do a thing. Um, Will Smith was, was was among the Atlanta pitchers that shut him down, and and uh, you're right, Kershaw. It's not a COVID thing; it's back spasms. And Kershaw had a renaissance year this year, and and you know, for a guy who hadn't pitched well in the playoffs. Had a 13 strikeout performance in the previous round, so it's a big blow for the Dodgers. Uh, a big, big blow. They're sending a rookie out there, Tony Gonsolin, as a matter of fact, uh, to pitch against Ian Anderson today. And, and meanwhile, uh, Houston and Tampa Bay, uh, the, the Rays have jumped up 2-0. Charlie Morton got another quality start. Uh, Tampa just uh, you know went long ball against Houston and, and used their incredible bullpen uh, to to work out of jams, which they did consistently. Nick Anderson. Uh, was in deep, I think, at a bases-loaded situation in the ninth inning that he managed to, to pitch out of, and the Rays uh, have momentum. And remember, the, the best-of-seven uh, league championship series are played every single day. There's no days off. Uh, so it's uh, how guys use their bullpens uh, is, is key. But uh, Tampa's really got an opportunity here this afternoon to – take control of the series and, and uh, take a huge step towards getting to the World Series. No doubt. Boy, and big news in baseball. It does appear that uh, Billy Bean is going to be leaving the Oakland A's, uh, joining the owner of the Boston Red Sox, and maybe not even in a, a role where he's going to be in baseball. He may be doing soccer and different things like that. But how much, you know, you, if you're Jerry DePoto, you've got to be loving that because all of a sudden, I mean, the guy that's able to put that team together, keep them in a playoff mode as best they can, even though they don't pay any money down there and now could be leaving and there's no way that they can replace him and successfully i don't know the specifics john but uh, if they're not using them in baseball they've lost their marbles. Yeah, agreed. So, i mean i'm sure that they'll i'm sure i don't know i don't know what details will come out i'm sure he's going to be involved in the baseball aspect of it i mean for all of those who who saw the movie moneyball i mean it was it was boston who originally tried to pursue billy bean back uh, 15 years ago or so Ago. I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, every team in the division, not just the Mariners, uh, the Astros, uh, you know, all of them can breathe a sigh of relief. The A's have, for years under Billy Bean, gotten the most out of their, their talent. I mean, Tampa's the other example of a team that is chronically low in payroll and, and just wins, period. I agree with you a thousand percent. I mean, the A's are going to need a miracle to keep that up. And, you know, there aren't a lot of Billy Beans out there, and he did everything he could, and I know his goal was to get them to a World Series and, and kind of feels like that that was not accomplished because it wasn't, uh, which was which was too bad. But uh, the success they had was was uh, uh, flying in the face of everything. I mean, they had the worst ballpark by a mile uh, and never got fixed up, you know, no money, and were good every single year. So uh, he makes Boston a whole lot better, and, and that definitely gives hope to everyone in the AL West. 
Oh, yeah, no doubt. And that's uh, stunning news because, I mean, you didn't know what was going on. You still don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But to be able to do as well as he did, the trades, the drafting, all those things. I mean, I know that, what, they only won this one series this year in the playoffs. But to keep this team at a playoff level off and on for all those years since 2006 has been incredible. Well, he, he, he generated a complete change in philosophy that every team in baseball uh, adapted. I mean, the use of the use of sabermetrics, you know, to to a, to an extent uh, that that hadn't been used before, and and uh, so I mean, it, you would have thought that once other teams started using it, teams that had much more money to spend, his advantage would go away, and it never did. It never did. I mean, he would he would roll out a, a championship caliber team every three or four years and get two or three years out of it. Uh, it was just a consistently brilliant guy in evaluating talent. Uh, made very, very few mistakes. Uh, and, um, like I said, you know, it's just remarkable that, that everyone followed suit. Nobody in baseball is doing things the way they used to do it. Everybody in baseball, everybody, John, is doing a version of what Billy Bean started in Oakland. And that's, uh, that's quite a tribute to a guy. Yeah, it really is. And of course, it's a tribute to, for you to be able to come on each day with us and have our daily dose of the Graz. Dave, enjoy today. John, we'll talk again tomorrow, buddy. Thank you. All right, so I'll be back at 1 o'clock to uh, check in. Uh, And, of course, I'll be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.